welcome to the Gridiron Show, Will Gavin, and it's a very special edition of the show where we're going to be speaking with Super Bowl 48 champion, Super Bowl 49 runner-up, and the first ever player to have a winless season in the NFL, then go on to win a Super Bowl. All of that is covered in the show. We're joined by former Lions and Seahawks defensive end Cliff Averill for a wide-ranging and fun chat. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to a very special short edition of, of the Gridiron Show. We didn't want to put this whole thing into the preview show because it was quite wide-ranging. We ended up chatting for a good half an hour with Cliff. He was really, really good value. So I, I just wanted to bring you this entirely separately and in full. So uh, we talk about a whole wide-ranging set of topics from his Super Bowl 48, the, the opening play, the safety to the loss at Super Bowl 49 and how he experienced that game, uh, what it's been like since he's left the NFL, who he likes still in the NFL, what he thinks of the current Seahawks, some Russell Wilson chat, some Pete Carroll chat, uh, some 49ers chat as well after that Monday night game. So there's loads packed into here. Just a reminder, if you are listening to this, um, if you're not listening on an iPhone, get iTunes on your computer because 70% of people still listen to it. So you can still go there, give it the five stars, give it some love, and it all helps us find more listeners. Genuinely, it's really, really, really useful to us and, and helps out massively. So Appreciate all the love we do get on Twitter at, at Gridiron on on Twitter on Instagram at UK Gridiron. You guys are absolutely brilliant, and we love the feedback. You know, mostly positive, ideally, but some constructive as well is always welcome. So, here is my half-hour chat in the Talksport studios with former Lions and Seahawks defensive end Cliff Averill. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off. Taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park, it's Daphne from Accounting riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, weaving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro's Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. All right, so delighted to be joined in the studio by Super Bowl 48 winner, former Detroit Lion, Seattle Seahawks, and, and currently working with Sky as a, an analyst for the games on yes. a Sunday, Cliff Averill's with us. Cliff, how are you doing, sir? I am great. I am great. How are you, man? I'm happy to be here. Uh, happy to talk some ball. Um, enjoying London. So how are you? You've been over a few times now this year. You were here for the tour earlier this year. What what have been your impressions of, of London and the NFL here? Actually, I, I like it. I'm quite surprised, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, I've done some different tours with the NFL, but coming to London and realizing how much of a fan base of the like there's a huge fan base for the NFL but a really big one for the Seattle Seahawks which mm-hmm. is which is pretty cool for me, you know, coming uh coming out here. It's it's been great. It's eye-opening. I should absolutely from a professional standpoint bite my tongue on this. Uh-oh. I'm a 49ers fan. I'm sorry to hear so, that. <laughs> let's get that out of the way now. Just, I don't <laughs> I'm want sorry to, to any, hear that. I don't want there to be any tension between us because <laughs> as much as, you know, I enjoy hating the Seattle Seahawks, yes. 
you know that Monday night game I was as frustrated as any fan watching it as much as you should be as a like a journalist watching it but it's much more fun for me when they're a good team and oh, yeah. they've been that for the last you know under the Pete Carroll era oh my gosh I mean coach Carroll's been doing a, an amazing job um you know and he understands how to win right you you look at his college days he's winning championships there comes to the NFL and over the last 10 years has had probably the most wins outside of Belichick or something crazy yeah. like that you know and for me to be a part of it I mean Hats off to him and, and what he understands how to get guys to play for him and how to get guys motivated to go out there and play play their, their best football every week. I think what amazes me about them this year as well, to get straight into the meat and potatoes, but I think about your era, and mm-hmm. they brought in guys and, and they gave the guys on that defensive line big contracts and they and they built on that defense because they had Russell Wilson on that cheap rookie yeah. contract and they went, right, we're going to be defense heavy, we're going to be run heavy. To not have that option anymore and mm-hmm. to still be able to build a team that is currently 8-2 and two and defying a lot of people's expectations is kind of just shows what, what a great coach can do. What a great coach can do, but also let's, let's give Russell Wilson some of the credit too, right? Because early on in his career, he didn't necessarily have to be this, I don't want to call say he wasn't elite, but he didn't have to be that at that particular moment. Because the defense was the focal point of that team. The defense was the foundation of that team. But now... Things are shifting. He's making more money, so you, your defense can't necessarily <laughs> be as stout as it was. But also, just seeing his growth over the few years. I mean, he's arguably probably the MVP of the league right now. He's playing outstanding football. I mean, this man has twenty three touchdowns, only two interceptions. You know, in a ten week span. So it's impressive stuff. So I, I would give him a lot of credit. But yes, of course, Coach Carroll understands how to get the best out of his players, and that's why he's been so successful for so long. It's odd because there are some players, not naming any names, looking back. Back at the the kind of the era of Super Bowl forty eight forty nine through that time, who who were maybe critical of the idea that the team were now going to be building around Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. thought that that wasn't the way to go. It, obviously, it's been proven out. But did you see it in him from you know day one in the building? Was he always a guy that you could see could mm-hmm. be that cornerstone? Uh, early on, you know, because he he didn't really say much early on when I first got in. But again, for me, I've always noticed his passion and in, in, in understanding how to get better, right? Um, if you look at Russell Wilson, he's like one of the few people I, I've ever met that can literally have a series of bad things happen to him, but yet still be in a positive mindset. Um, and, and, you know, I've seen him in games where he's thrown three interceptions, four interceptions, and come to the sideline and tell you, hey, we're going to win this game. And we win it. <laughs> and we, like, you're, you're against all odds at that point. And, and he still finds a way to win. And he really believes all he needs is an opportunity and he's going to make it happen. That's why, I mean, if you look at this year, he, he has the most comebacks by any quarterback. You know what I mean? I think he has five of them this year by himself. So it just shows you how resilient he is. I mean, he's a ball player. I, I want to go back to, to that era and actually start off with start off with what might be the, the kind of high of your NFL mm-hmm. career in New York, Super Bowl yeah. 48. Um, what's... I mean, I guess the start couldn't have gone better for the team or for you personally. Yeah, exactly. Fastest score in Super Bowl history, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I love that. The, the, uh, when that happens in a game, how do you then kind of go, right, it's been that ridiculously good from moment one, but then focus and make sure that you're still playing mm-hmm. 60 minutes of ball against, you know, a team who could have come back at any time and, and you just... It felt like that pace was just relentless. That's just the mindset that we had. Um, I, I would say, again, uh, hats off to Coach Carroll for this mindset. And I, did, I hadn't had this until I got to Seattle where 
if you just enter every single game that season and really moving forward as a championship opportunity, uh, you know, it's a it's a cliche now, but I really believed it. Like every week, if you just go out there and prepare as if this is this championship opportunity, then when you get in that space, when it's a when it is the Super Bowl, when it is the NFC West championship or whatever the case may be, um, it's just another game. And you go out there and put your best foot forward. So, yes, going into the Super Bowl, we treated it almost as if it was a normal game. But we were playing at such a high level that it was normal to us, but it was new to everybody else. Uh, when it comes to that place, you, you're lining up on the left side. Is yeah. the, right, set up in a four. It's not like you're bringing crazy pressure. It's no. not like you're going absolutely all out at them. So... I don't think there was any reason for the mistake to happen. <laughs> what What are your memories of seeing it and reacting to it in the moment? Uh, there's a couple of things. One, I, it felt like a home game. There was a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans there, a lot of 12s there. I mean, blue and green throughout the whole stadium. So it was loud. That was one. And then two, um, I get my stance and uh, they're making these checks and I kind of have my little vision of different things that I'm looking for to be able to basically jump the snap count. And I... I'm looking and I'm like, okay, they're about to snap the ball. But then wait up, he's he's walking up to the line of scrimmage. Oh, they snapped it. So I just take off because I, I, I just look at the ball more so than anything. So as soon as the ball goes, I'm going and I'm seeing Peyton step up. So now obviously it's over his head. Now I'm just looking for the ball. And um, I wish I would have been able to actually get on the ball and, and get a touchdown instead of a safety. But now I'm looking for the ball and, and I, t- I, you know, I tagged off on the runner and that was a heck of a way to start the Super Bowl. Yeah, still the fastest score in Super Bowl history. Yes, yes, yes. It's going to be hard to break that one. <laughs> uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, we, we'll never see a kickoff return. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Uh, and even then, it might still take longer than it took you to score thinking about it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why I say it's going to take, take a while. Yeah, madness. Um, do you ever, have you ever watched that game back? Do you ever watch it back? Is it something that. You know what? I didn't. The first time I watched the entire game back was probably like two years ago. Uh, I hadn't watched it because I, I, I don't like sitting and dwelling on games, especially while you're playing, because I feel like you kind of slow your stuff down. You kind of subconsciously take in some of that energy. And yes, it was a good feeling. But then how does that help you get better? You know what I mean? So like some weird way of thinking, I guess. But um, yeah, about two years ago, right when I retired was the first time I watched both Super Bowls, the one we won and the one we lost. And it was like, oh, I forgot this play happened. And <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. The second Super Bowl, heck, I didn't, I, I didn't realize I played into the third quarter. I thought I, I thought I was out of the game in the second quarter. I don't even remember halftime. Um, so just different things like that. Just seeing the game and and seeing plays and like, oh yeah, man, I, I remember that happening now, you know, or whatever. So it, it, yeah, it took a while before I started watching it. I am intrigued by that because because you go out of the the game on that play and it's actually on the inception play, right? When you yes, the, yes, the, it was the inception you got, exactly and um, con- concussed on. Obviously, when you're in concussion protocol, you can't come back out on the sideline. You have to go through the whole thing. So where were you throughout the rest of that game? How did you actually Uh, watch the rest of it? That is so crazy. So, yes, in in the Super Bowl, when uh, when you get injured, you can't come back out on the football field. Weird, weird playoff rules because normal season you can come back out. But um, so I'm in the locker room and I'm actually watching the game on a TV. But it's like a 10-second delay. Um, It might have been longer. So... I would hear the crowd cheer, and then I'd see the play. I'd hear the crowd cheer, then I'd see the play. So I'm watching that last drive, and I'm hearing the crowd cheer. And then, okay, now, oh, okay, big catch by Curse. Okay, I'm hearing this crowd cheer. Oh, big run by Marshawn. Then I hear the crowd cheer, but so I'm like, oh, we're, we're about to punch it in. Like, I'm hearing the crowd, you know. 
but now I'm seeing guys running into the locker room crying and mad. So I'm like, wait up, this this doesn't correlate with what I'm thinking I'm about to see and the like the the emotions of the guys or whatever. There's a big brawl. I, I missed all that, and um, I see guys coming in crying, mad, throwing things around, and I see the play. I'm like, oh my gosh, we really just lost the game. And um, yeah, so I had a completely different vantage point in comparison to everybody else. Yeah, we, that was my first year, and we were you were the bad luck. Well, apparently so. Yeah, <laughs> apparently so. That's it. I wasn't in New York the year before, and so obviously I was the reason that you lost. Uh, it's the only time I've rooted for the Patriots in my life. I think. Oh my um, gosh! <laughs> but but it was just the most ridiculous back and forth game, and we were right up behind the end zone, behind mm-hmm. that cursed catch, and just the whole thing was 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 i guess such a a big emotional moment and so uh, the opposite of the game from the year before Mm -hmm. do you think that the kind of outcome of that game affected the seahawks going beyond that um no i didn't um especially while i was playing i definitely didn't again what i said earlier is i don't necessarily focus on what just happened more so than just finding ways to get better so for me it was just like I know we're going to be back because the same guys are coming back. We're all healthy. We're all young. We're all feeling good. We're mad. So that's even more motivation to, to bounce back. But that was my mindset. I don't know necessarily what everybody else was feeling. Some guys I think do felt like, man, we let one go. And some probably felt like they couldn't, you know, let that go basically and and looking back at it i can see how it may have affected some guys for sure but for me again um it was just moving forward because i was in detroit just a couple years ago where i wasn't winning any games literally (laughs) that was another stat i did see the first ever player to have a winless season and then win a super and win a super bowl exactly so my perspective when i got to seattle was completely different i'm like we're winning football games i'm happy like i (laughs) i I don't have time to dwell on anything else i don't have time to to play all these other games you guys are used to winning I'm not, and this is fun right now. Good. I'm glad that that was still the mindset because there is there are people who look at like what happened to the Falcons a few mm-hmm. years ago. Look at what happened to the Seahawks then, and say you know everyone loves to pontificate and what if and everything, mm-hmm. and say you know maybe if they win that one they go on and we see a dynasty, Possibly. we see a, a, a three win team. But I do think I do think if we win that one though, we do go back and win again. Yeah. I looking back at it now and understanding how some guys may have felt some kind of way about that. I do think if we win. We definitely have us a dynasty. How how does a winless season? I wasn't going to ask about this, but you just you brought it up, and I was thinking about it's it. It's all good. How do you go through that and still manage to kind of? Because I guess we've seen it with teams this season. Obviously, that the Bengals are still there, looking to yeah. become the third team to do it. But I think about how hard Miami have played the last three weeks, considering mm-hmm. everyone was talking about them tanking, everyone was talking about them not winning a single game all year. Yeah, how do guys in that locker room manage to? pick themselves up off the ground when you're like (laughs) going through something like that it's tough but you know i'm a rookie at this time right so this is my first year in the nfl i'm trying to figure things out i'm still trying to understand how this whole thing goes man 16 games that sound like a lot of games (laughs) you know just trying to figure it all out so it really it wasn't until probably about week 10 where i realized wow like we really haven't won a game it's really hard to win games in the nfl you know week 11 rolls around so at this point now i'm just trying to make sure i'm not the reason why i'm not the reason why we're losing games i'm not the reason why you know um you know things aren't going our way i want to be that spotlight and also understanding 
realizing early that this is a business, so there's going to be a new head coach soon. You have to put good footage out there because that new head coach, he's going to try to get rid of a lot of these guys on his team because they don't want to be associated with an 0-16 team. You guys clearly aren't good enough to win football games. So for me, it was just more of a, okay, individually, don't be the reason why and try to be one of the spotlights on the team. And that was just my mindset going throughout the rest of the season. I think that's part of what stunned me about when, to come back to the Dolphins example, is that they trade away so many key pieces and actually go, where is the talent on this team? And then there's been just four or five players who've gone, do you know what? It's me, and I'm going to prove it. It, That's been really impressive. You have to have that mindset because, again, I mean, the team is going to do what it's going to do. But at the end of the day, each player is their own individual business within this business, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, you can look at the overall business as like, oh, we're tanking. So I'm going to tank too. Well, next year you're not going to have a job, you know. So, so for me, I le- again I learned early. Like, look, man, you got to put good tape out there every week, regardless of what's going on around you. Um, th- just going even further back, because obviously we we're talking about the kind of early stages of your career. But I, when I was kind of reading up when you were coming in, seeing that you were kind of a four sport star in yeah, high school yeah. and a guy who kind of felt like had the whole career ahead of Ooh. you, coming with particularly if you think and. You know, again, I'm basing this mostly on Wikipedia. I'll admit yeah. this, but it's right. Your patient, your parents are Haitian, yes, so yes. they they came over to this country, and and that's obviously a, a, you see it a lot with those stories in the NFL where there's somebody who comes from a background mm-hmm. where they're not necessarily expected to succeed. And, exactly, and sport gives them that opportunity. So, so why was it football for you? Oh man, so go, going back, like both parents are Haitian, both came into the country in the the 80s, late uh, mid 80s, um, didn't know each other, didn't speak the language. Um, you know, struggled. My mom worked three, four jobs my whole life uh, up until up until I got to the league. Um, you know, so that that right there by my by itself was my motivation to just figure things out. You know, what I mean, my dad working crazy hours every every week, um, and it was just all about man. They work pretty hard, and we're still struggling. <laughs> you know, so I want to. Fi- I wanted to find something else to, to to change the narrative in a sense but I didn't know what that was I can't even lie and say I did because I didn't start playing football till high school I didn't start playing till 10th grade to be honest with you so I was a I was a late bloomer I was a basketball player um but it was it, and the only reason I started playing football was because all my friends that I hung out with were playing football so I had nobody to hang out with so I need to go hang out with my friends <laughs> <laughs> that's really the only reason I started any, I, any, I, any of them in the NFL now uh no <laughs> no, no there not, you go not, so not, obviously <laughs> None of them made it to the league. Um, but, again, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. So, for me, it was just like, all right, well, during football season, I have nothing to do. So, let's play football and then wait for basketball season. Um, but I, st- I played I played, on t- I played my 10th grade year. And when I say I played, I, I really rode the bench I didn't because I didn't understand the sport at the time. But then that spring rolled around, kind of started figuring things out, got a little bit bigger. I was like, oh, this is how you tackle people? Oh, all you have to do is run by them, you know, and things started clicking. And to be honest with you, I got recruited basically off of basketball. A lot of a lot of coaches would come see me play basketball like, oh, he's an athlete. Like, we can make this work. And the first team, the first uh, school to to, to um, kind of look look at me in that way was Purdue. And then a lot of other schools started coming in after that. And, but um, I stayed loyal to Purdue and ended up going there. But the, the, the background was basically I just, I just didn't want to do what my parents were doing. But also understanding their work ethic as well is what is what they instilled in me to allow me to continue to keep progressing. 
and it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, you're, you're somebody who personally had that work ethic and that drive that, that clearly drove you to get there. But it, it's fascinating to me. We were just at the NFL Academy the other day mm-hmm. um, where they've just opened the new gym and yeah. you had Jerry Rice over kind of talking to these these guys. And, and so a lot of them are coming to football at 14, 15, 16 years old. And maybe they are stars in other sports. And maybe they are kind of... that They had to have a reason to be accepted into the academy. Yeah. But it's potentially offering up them up that opportunity to maybe go to an American college and exactly. then see where it goes from there. And you can look at an example like yourself and say, you know, those naysayers who say you have to have played it from seven, eight years no, old. It's, it's- no, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in that at all, honestly. Because uh, to be honest with you, a lot of guys just get burnt out. Like I know a lot of guys that were really, really good through junior high, uh, even heck in elementary, junior high, and then they just peak they they just they just burn out you know the the game has gotten the best because in our it's only so long you can play the dog on game right <laughs> um but yes you can get burnt out but also what i would say to every young athlete is don't just play football play every sport because every sport makes you best for the, uh, better for the next sport basketball like football made me tough on the basketball court basketball made me quicker and, and more agile on the football field uh track made me faster for all the sports you know so like don't just play once i because that's a thing in the states right now is you just want to play one sport and you're going to just dominate that sport well no don't put all your eggs in one basket that's that's another reason why i didn't stop playing football <laughs> one coach told me that do not put all your eggs in one basket and um but yeah the it doesn't matter when you start. Long as you, you're willing to work hard, you're willing to have fun, make sure you're having fun while you're working hard, anything is possible. Coming back to the Seahawks, because uh, big game this weekend with the Eagles, still very much in that hunt for the number one seed for mm-hmm. the NFC West, right right in amongst there. Yeah. And I think what was big for that 49ers game is they went from a team who had so little pass rush prior to that week yes. to suddenly looking like, well, the more dominant defensive front in a game that had the one that people have been calling the best in the NFL. Yes. What did you make of, of that performance and particularly the likes of Jadavian Clowney? Oh, man, he showed up. He showed up. as the, the, the best game to show up in front of the world, the country, you know, because um, that has been the question. Where are they going to get their password? Because they haven't been getting much of it. But what I will say with Clowney is he has been productive. It just hasn't been the production that you see in the stat book, right? You you see that game on Monday night where he jumps in the air and he makes um, Jimmy G just throw it into the ground. Like, that's a big play, but there's no stat for that, right? He's been doing that all season long. It's just now, okay, he got a sack. Now he got a sack fumble. He got a touchdown. Those are the stats, so people are paying a little bit more attention to what he's been able to do. But he's also been one of the, the most double team players in the NFL too this year um, but it was good to see him get out there and do that they just have to continue to keep building off that there's other players Jaron Reed Quentin Jefferson all those guys are, are making some plays and on the flip side what you guys got over there with the 49ers man that's some I'm, I'm a defensive lineman obviously so I love seeing good defensive linemen play but especially when there's multiple players getting after the quarterback you know you got Bosa you got you got D Ford you got all these guys over there on, on the San Francisco 49ers that are doing some really really good things but it, I think the guy that doesn't get enough credit is their D-line coach, Chris Kasurik. He was my D-line coach in Detroit, and he knows how to get you to the quarterback. That is the one thing about him. He knows how to get guys to the quarterback, and if you listen and you do that, and that's why you've been able to see that transformation with all those first-rounders up front being able to get after the quarterback. Well, with everyone talking about Robert Saller as a head coach next season, could he be a defensive coordinator? Because we're going to be looking for one by the sounds of it. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on if Chris really wants to take that next step. Uh, And I'm I'm happy for Saller, too, because he was another guy that was on our 
our on our um, championship team as well mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the Seattle Seahawks in 2013. Um, and he is an intense dude. Like he's I love he's it. awesome. Oh yes, he's intense. I, I I had to tell him like, have you been working out? Because you're looking kind of buff on the <laughs> sidelines now. Like what's going on, Salah? <laughs> but um, yeah, he's been doing some great things, man. It's essentially the same scheme, but he has his own little tweaks to it or whatever. And those guys are playing well. That's why Sherman was able to come in and make things happen as well. Obviously, you see the D line and some of the linebackers getting after it. Outside of the NFC West, who are the pass rushers that you really enjoy watching? Ooh, outside of the NFC West, um, you know, Cam Jordan. Uh, well, I say outside the NFC West, let's not. We can say Aaron Donald as well. Just those two teams. <laughs> oh, yeah, Aaron Donald, of course. But, um, you know, uh, Cameron Jordan, he's been playing lights out for, mm-hmm. for many, many years. I'm a firm believer in guys that have been doing it for a while, not just a few guys. But uh, another guy that doesn't get enough uh, um, love is Chandler Jones. He's a double-digit sack guy consistently every year. Um, Obviously, Von Miller. uh, Who else we got? Khalil Mack. who else? I'm trying to think of some D tackles, maybe. Uh, I'm, well, I don't really care about those guys. I'm an edge guy. <laughs> uh, oh, but no, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, they have some players, too. Um, I'm, Michael Bennett's still playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. I have to shout him out. He's my best friend, of course. Uh, um, uh, the, uh, Lawrence. I mean, th- there's there's some good pass rushers out there, and I'm, I'm excited ab- uh, about some of these young pass rushers, man. It, it's pretty fun to watch. When you look at this game for the Seahawks coming up this weekend against the Eagles, how much do you gain as a team if you're going and watching you know, a defence like the Patriots who've been as good as they are this year? Mm. What they did to that Eagles offensive line and just absolutely manhandled them last yeah. week. Are you watching that and going, like, smacking your lips and getting ready for this? <laughs> or are you kind of, what, what are the nuances of watching that film and trying to figure that out? I, I think the big thing for me is I just want to see the guys up front for the Seattle Seahawks do it again, right? Because the hardest thing to do in the NFL is be consistent. Like, consistency is the name of the, the game. If you can be consistent, you'll have a long career. But I've seen plenty of guys that go out there and ball out one one season and be out of the NFL, and, you know, two years later. So I want to see them do it again. And I think they can. I think they will. But I need to see it. And if they are able to, they will, they will dominate this game because Carson Wentz, like any quarterback, from from Tom Brady on to Jameis Winston, none of them like being hit. None of them like be, being uncomfortable in that pocket. So if you can apply pressure consistently, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be just sacks, but hits, hurries, moving them off their spot. You will be productive, and you see what Wentz looks like when that is the case. So if they can do that this week, starting up front, if they can get after their guys and, and get pressure and hits on Wentz, I think. Uh, you know, the offense is going to handle their business, and I think it'll be a, a, a easy win. But Seattle doesn't like easy wins. They like no. to make things difficult. <laughs> they like to make it fun, that's sure. I was thinking about this when we were talking about those two Super Bowls. I was like, man, those NFC title games against the Packers and 49ers, oh. those were... Unreal. The, unreal. Un- <laughs> truly unreal games. Um, the uh, final thing I want to ask you about, and I did tell you that you were going to get questions about this when you came into TalkSport today, and... It's basically, if you don't have an opinion on this, they have to retract your NFL card from you. You're not allowed to not talk about this. Um, what did you make of the, the Miles Garrett situation? We've, we've had further information about it, obviously, over the last couple of days. Yeah. Did you think the rest of the season ban was, was fair punishment? Um, yes. I do think it was fair punishment. 
but I think they dropped the ball on the other side too uh, with Rudolph. Um, and the reason I say that is, yes, what my and I can't I'm, I don't agree with his actions as far as for you know hitting a man with his helmet or anything like that. I do know that there are scuffles all the time in, in, in the NFL. There are times where there's fights and different things like that. So that is not warranted. But I do think Miles Garrett played a bigger or not Miles Garrett, but Rudolph played a bigger role than his actual penalty was. Um, I mean, we're always quick to look at the the reaction of somebody but never the reason why too again miles garrett is completely wrong but i do think rudolph should have possibly gotten a little bit more of a stiffer type of situation uh and and i'm not saying he should have got the same thing nowhere near the same thing he got hit with a helmet you know but i do think you know at least a one game suspension because everybody else got suspended Mm -hmm. that was involved so why shouldn't he And he did try and remove the helmet, and not just that, but then got up in the player's face after his helmet had been pulled off when you could walk away. And I understand it's an emotional game, a divisional game. You're losing horribly as well. I get that emotions are high, but (laughs) you've got to, I guess somebody has to have control and nobody showed it. But see, that's the thing. Everybody has to have control, and, and you will lose your mind from time to time. But I do know one thing. And this is like the number one rule in football. If your helmet comes off in a scrum or a fight, you back out. <laughs> you mm-hmm. move back. You don't run towards the fight. You back out because everybody has a helmet on. So it doesn't make sense for you to to do that. But I guess quarterbacks don't know that because they're usually not in the fights. <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, but it's also it's the stupidest thing to do in the NFL, except for the one thing I will never understand, which is swinging a punch at a man wearing a helmet. Stupid. Just, stupid, stupid, stupid. All stupid. you're gonna do is potentially break your hand. I That's all you're gonna do is break your hand exactly. And 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 I was I was guilty of that before. And my coach he looked at me like, bro, like, why would you do that? Like, why would why would you think you're gonna punch a helmet? So if anything, you slap the helmet, but you don't. You definitely don't punch. <laughs> if anything, you slap the helmet. There you go. We, we we've got it clear at this point. Just so you know, that's what you should have done. Um, and and. Yeah, obviously we'll we'll talk about this on the show, but this idea of now the the topic of racism has has come up, and yeah. the NFL have said there's no way to to kind of prove it or no evidence of it. I, I'm astounded that there's nobody in that entire situation mic'd up when you consider that it's a mm-hmm. Thursday night divisional game and NFL films mic up half of the players yeah. seemingly in that well, situation. Well, well, yes and no. Um, usually in the middle of the field, unless you are mic'd up, unless you have a, a mic on your actual uh, pads. There's no, they're like, there's really no way of knowing what's exactly going on. And even if you watch the, there, I seen a screenshot. It's like when they were on top of each other, there wasn't a ref around for you know twenty yards. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's gonna be hard to hear that. But I will say again, it there's a lot of stuff that's being said on that football field that most fans will never hear. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're close to the sidelines where there are mics and, and big boom uh, mics and different things like that, you will you will hear things. But most times on the actual field, unless that player has a mic on them you won't hear you won't hear a lot a lot of the comments and things that are being said we've ended up going stupidly long and i'm aware that you've got to go and talk to h and j but last thing is you're doing the games this uh, this sunday on yes. sky sports uh, immediately afterwards 49ers uh, green bay huge game yeah. i'm assuming they'll be listening to talk sport 2 in the car on the way home of course uh, <laughs> to be catching the game before you get back um how do you see this going, uh, and will you stay up and watch? I will stay up and watch it um, because slash listen uh, on TalkSport. Uh, yeah, I will. I will listen then watch it. Um, partly because I'm constantly <laughs> I have to for my contract, <laughs> but no, um, no. Uh, I see this game playing out. I see it being intense. The big question mark for you guys, the 49ers, is Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Can he be that quarterback? Can he lead the team without a running game? Can he lead the team uh, if they're behind? Because that's why people like. They pay you big bucks to be able to 
finish games. That's why people love Russell Wilson. That's why they love Aaron Rodgers. That's why they love all the greats because they can finish games. Can he do that? Um, you know, because there will be ups and downs in this game, and he's going up against a, a beast in Aaron Rodgers. But with that pass rush, you have a lot of opportunities to be able to get after him. But the one thing that separates Aaron Rodgers from a lot of quarterbacks, and I, I, I know this personally, is – he understands the pass rush too. So he understands where gaps are, where guys line up and what type of rushes he's going against. So he'll understand to be able to step into those, those gaps where guys aren't. So how do you compensate for that? You know, will the deep, uh, the, the, the back half of the defense be able to hold up? So to answer your question, um, it's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers, to be honest with you. Okay. It's okay. hard. It's hard. It's hard. No divisional bias here, I'm sure, <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. it's if it's another quarterback, yeah, maybe. But uh, it's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers. And he's been playing. He's. The, I don't think he's getting a lot of credit either in what the Green Bay Packers have been doing uh, over the last few weeks either. Yeah. They have, and they turned it around massively offensively by that one absolute egg they dropped a few weeks ago uh, against the Chargers. But, yeah, it has been a much, much better team so far. I, I fear for it, but I'm also excited. I can't <laughs> should wait be to a fun game. It should be a fun game. It, it should be. Um, look, Cliff, really appreciate your time. Thank you for spending the time to chat with us and, and look forward to seeing you on Sky this weekend. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Good man. What an absolutely lovely man Cliff Averill was. As always, all the usual garb. Download, subscribe, rate, review, all of that stuff. Thank you so much for listening and keep an eye out for the NFL 100 pods. They're going to be well worth your time as well, I believe. This has been The Gridiron Show.